0: chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win And if we should lose We know someday we'll go out the way yeah, someday we'll go all the way Welcome to episode three of Holy Cow with Cubs Podcast. Today our guest is Evan Altman, who is the founder of Cubs Insider, which I write for. And, um... We talk about a few things in this interview. Uh, Injuries, the Miguel Montero move, and some other stuff. And I will give you a couple little notes on our interview since it's happened. Because we did this interview on Friday, so a couple things have changed. Uh, One, Chris Bryant is back playing. When we recorded this, we didn't know how long he would be out with his injury, but it turned out it was not that long, so he's back right away. Um, Miguel Montero has been traded to the Blue Jays for cash considerations and a player to be named later. He had just been DFA'd when we did this interview. And finally, we were talking about perhaps the Cubs are ready to turn a corner before their series with the Reds. Well, as you know, they lost two out of three to the Reds. And they're still where they are now. But maybe this will be the time they turn the corner. Probably not. Anyway, let us get to our interview with Evan Altman from Cubs Insider, and enjoy. The Cubs are on a long road trip, 11 games, their the longest of the year, and they've gone four and four so far. So how do you think their trip has gone?
1: Um, you know,
0: it's, it's kind
1: of tough to say so far, right? You've got the splits, uh, they've they looked sort of Jekyll and hyde in Miami and then in Washington, you know, especially Washington, those those games were so weird because it's they had the two nail biters to kind of bookend it, and they had a couple games in the middle where they just sort of rolled over. But I, I think you know whether it's recency bias or what, you have to feel better about the way they won, you know, coming from behind, uh, without a lot of their starters. You know, a lot of guys are dinged up, and so to get out of Washington with a split makes it feel maybe a lot better than a 500 trip so far and then heading into Cincinnati you know where the the Reds have really been struggling I don't know I have to feel positive about it even though the record might say I shouldn't feel either way
0: yeah after the Washington series you do feel a lot better I mean it going into the ninth inning of that game I was feeling pretty bad about it I was thinking man we're going to be three and five on this road trip and do you have to sweep basically to have a winning trip against Cincinnati but that it's amazing one inning can turn around how you feel about a team
1: yeah it really can and uh you know and it's such a weird you know I think a lot of people want to look at it like hey you know Washington imploded or or the Cubs got lucky or, or what what have you but the luck favors those talented teams not to say that Washington is not talented but we saw a lot of that last year. We saw a ton of times that the Cubs came back late, and it, at, at a point, it stops becoming luck. And so maybe this is them kind of reverting a little bit back to those, you know, those more talented, or the, or the more, I should say, the, the the good fortune favoring them a little bit more. It's easier to, I think, notice the flaws when they're not doing too well, but this could, you know, maybe turn things around. It's too early to say, but I, I
0: feel better about that part of it. Yeah, and one of those things though lately, it's, at least I found is every time I want them, I'm thinking, could this be the 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 turning of the corner? It something seems to stop them so far this year, but they are going into now if they after the Cincinnati, uh, series, they're going to be in a lot of more home games. July's going to be a home heavy month, so I'm um, maybe they play better at home, so I'm hoping maybe this is the time that they really burst out, but. Yeah, you kind of hope so. I mean, it's it's so.
1: <laughs> of course, if I look back on it, you know, I, I think if I had a if I had a dollar for every time, you know, we said, "Oh, maybe this is the time," then you know, well, I'd have maybe like five bucks. But still, it's that's too many times. I think, but but you do, as you said, you know, they are in this position right now. They're they're heading to Cincinnati. Then they get a bunch of home games heading into the All Star break. You know, ideally they'll they'll start getting healthy, right? Ben Zober should be back pretty soon. Hayward should be back pretty soon. Um, you know, Russell, who knows, but he's been in the lineup now. The last he's, he's starting again here Friday night. He started last night. You know, the shoulder is who knows what that's really going to be long term. But if they can get guys healthy and get Kyle Hendricks back, and you know, you you start thinking, well, geez, things might really be more in line um, and I think that's kind of been an issue for the whole first half is even when you guys haven't been on the DL there have been a lot of these nagging injuries that just you know have kind of hampered their play so if they can get everybody healthy in conjunction with a nice little home slate and some weak opponents that could really bend their way and then you've got Milwaukee who you know Chase Anderson's out possibly for maybe two months and you know do they start falling back to earth Dexter Fowler's on the DL in St. Louis, so, you know, they're not playing well, and they're already without one of their top hitters. And uh, Alec Diaz isn't even in the lineup anymore. They sent him down. The whole NL Central is in this jumble, and the Cubs have a real opportunity to pull away here over the next couple weeks that I think could really outpace the rest of the crowd
0: if they can go in strong here with these last few games before the break. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be one of the... Like, the rest of the division is just a mess. I mean... No team looks even, like, decent. So you think that maybe, yeah, this is the time that they're finally going to break out. You, you never want to see injuries for another team, but that Chase Anderson injury has got to be crippling for the Brewers. So it's right there for them to take. It, it really is. And, of course, you know, again, I, <laughs> it, it
1: feels like this broken record. I right? would keep, keep saying that over and over, and, and it hasn't quite come to fruition yet, but... The, the whole time, you know, they've been just about ready to break out, just about ready to break out. And, and, again, I think everything's coming together at this point. You know, when we kind of saw that last year, right, they, they obviously got off to a much hotter start. But last year they went through a period very much like this, through most of June and really the first half of July. They were, you know, kind of a mediocre team there for a while. And, and it wasn't until they really sort of settled in, got the nice little break around the All-Star game, and kind of kicked it into high gear there in the second half and really pulled away for good. And, and, you know, things are closer this year than what they were last year, but you still get this sense that like, nobody's – everybody else in the division, I think, is who they are. And even the Brewers are probably playing over their heads a little bit. And so the Cubs are really the only team in this that are playing worse than what we thought. You know, maybe the Cardinals a little bit, but everybody else is kind of where we thought they'd be. Uh, Now it's just a matter of, well, gosh, if the Cubs can be who everybody thought they were going to be, they should still win this thing with ease.
0: Yeah, if they even reach part of their potential, they should be able to take this division. Now, if we talk about playoffs and stuff later, are they built for that? I don't know, but they should be able to win this division.
1: Yeah, the playoffs are a whole different animal, and that's what I I think that's, you know, when we talk about these possible additions that they're making, you know, I don't even think they're looking at at adding a guy – for the regular season, you know they're they're not worried about it for that. I think what they need is to bolster that depth, you know, of those of those front four pitchers or even front three. The way Arrieta's playing, you could easily pick up a guy who's who's pitching better than he is. Um, but what they're really needing to do, if if anything, is to get that that next starter to kind of if they have to make that playoff push, which again they they very well could. Uh, but I think we're looking at next year as well because it's so difficult to repeat. And I, I think a lot of people get disappointed by that, but you know, you look at the giants, they won three world series. They didn't do any of them back to back. It's that whole even year thing, right? They'd have a a year in between where things didn't quite coalesce or or whatever you want to say. It's just so hard to recapture that, but what they, and that was never the goal, right? They never said, Hey, we're going to go try to win back to back world series. The goal was to be consistently competitive over a number of years and this team isn't really going anywhere aside from a few pieces. The core is still intact for the next several years, and so I think everybody needs to keep that in mind. And that you know, again, it's, it wasn't made to go out and let's let's do it twice in a row, and then who knows, you know, then three times and four times. That didn't that didn't happen. You have to have a lot of luck in there. So what you do is you build that core together. They add a couple of pieces here that can carry them, you know, maybe through the playoffs, and then next year and the year after. They got to get that controllable pitching so that they can keep that window
0: open as long as possible. Yeah, that mythical controllable starter that they've been after for so long—they can actually finally get it. It would be, but yeah, I mean, the last team to repeat was the Yankees in 2000. So repeats are very hard to come by.
1: No, for sure. That's I think, that, and and that's the thing. that every, you know, I think everybody would have said prior to uh the end of game seven you know i think every cubs fan would say just give me one before i die uh but that that mentality yeah. changes really really quickly once you've got the one and then it's like oh give me i want all the wins you know we, we
0: can't ever lose again yeah uh, how could we how could we not win 100 games back-to-back right? years like this is ridiculous this is
1: a, wait a minute you know you, you, we're the same people who said just give me one and now it's like no like one's not enough we need more like uh I don't know, man. If uh, if they never won again, I, I think I could still look back on last November and be like, yeah, you know, that was kind of worth it. So uh, so we'll, we'll see. But, again, you know. Yeah, exactly.
0: Hey, we, we, we're greedy like that. I, I get it. Well, anyway, speaking of additions, I guess we can talk about the big subtraction this week with uh, Miguel Montero being released after his post-game comments. And, you know, there's been lots of stuff swirling around now about like, behind-the-scenes stuff with Montero and all this stuff, but what is your general feeling on the whole thing? Uh, you know, it's it's tough to say, because at the time it happened,
1: you know, I was, and, and stuff started kind of hitting social media, and, and uh, you know, it was like, whoa, whoa, oh, he did it again, you know, kind of like the World Series follow-up, where, where you're going in, but this time, kind of throwing a teammate under the bus was a little bit different, and You know, to me, and I know a lot of people were calling for his head for the sake of of being a bad teammate. I know Theo Epstein even said as much. But, and and honestly, what he said at the core of it was not untrue. I mean, a lot of that's on Jake Arrieta. He did a terrible job. I mean, he was disinterested in holding anybody. I mean, Trey Turner was more than halfway to second base and even third base. I mean, he went in standing. And, uh, but... But then it's, you know, and Montero tried to put off his throws on being hurried or whatever. And I, I understand that, but you're not a little leader. You know, I mean, you've been at this for a long time, and you've had to make hurried throws before. There's no excuse for, I, I think his first throw into second base
0: might have gone 70 feet. I mean, it, it bounced just across the mouth. Yeah. The other one, the airman barely it. hit. It, the pitcher had to duck to miss yeah, it. I, and so I'm like, I mean, you know,
1: I, I get that you got to hurry, but. Dude, take some of the blame. Like, where some of that? And, you know, there's a time and a place. If he wants to go talk to Arietta, if he wants to pull him aside later, um, that's cool, or or he could have been more judicious. But I I think that's the the trouble that you run into. If this is Miguel Montero from a couple years ago, you know, it probably blows over. If this is Wilson Contreras doing it, it it blows over. But when you're a guy who realistically is only in there as a – as a platoon option against uh, right-handed pitching, you know, he can't, he's actually hit left. He's okay this year, but in general he's getting as at bats against right-handed pitchers or, you know, if he has lackeys personal caddy, um, th- you're expendable. You know I mean? It's, it's almost like it felt like he wanted to get out of there uh, with the way he said those things. And so I, I, I guess I'd feel differently, uh, you know, were he doing this in, in a different time? But given all the other things they've got going on right now and all the other troubles, I think Epstein looked at it and just said, dude, we can't keep you around if you're going to be a, a hassle is essentially what it came down to. So, I don't know, I, I'm kind of sort of just, eh, okay, it happened, great. He's not, he's not a contributor that much anymore, so it's not that big a deal.
0: Yeah, the thing is with him, too, is that he he's had this problem a lot where he just says exactly how he feels. And, you know, you're a professional baseball player, you just – you can't say exactly how you feel, even if you're, like, partially right. Even if Arietta's not holding on the runners, you just can't say that to the reporters. You've got to know that that's, you can't say that. That's just how it is. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I, I think the, the worrisome part, not
1: worrisome, I guess the, the, the problematic part of it is, again, you're a veteran. You should know better. It's, you know, Arietta hasn't pitched like an ace, but it's still a very important member of your staff. And I, I think that the real death knell, though, was when Anthony Rizzo got on the radio the next day and was like, "That's a you're a bad teammate if you call people out. Um, you know, we got another guy who throws runners out. He's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I know Arietta said after the fact that, hey, we're, we're boys. I love Miggy." I don't know. I, I felt a little bit like that was just him kind of being the bigger man at, at that point. I, I mean, I to me, it seems like the realization was there. Like, if you're going to publicly call out teammates like that, um, and, and, again, we're talking about a guy who called out his manager literally immediately following the World Series victory parade. I mean, there there were certainly some things there. He, he had worn out some relationships in, uh, in Arizona as well. And so this isn't a new thing for him. So it's not like we're talking about this one strike and you're out kind of a deal. Like, I can guarantee there were some other things that were probably going on behind the scenes. He probably wasn't happy being... Uh, being a backup anymore, you know, I don't think that's what he wanted. Even though it's clearly what he is at this stage in his career. Um, so, you know, I think there were a lot of things at play. And, and at the end of the day, it'd be great if he catches on and, and he'll get another gig somewhere here for the next year or so. And, and then, you know, a few years from now, we'll come back to Cubs convention and people can celebrate him as, you know, a World Series hero or playoff hero. And, and then everything's good after the sun rises and sets a few times
0: and, and it's all water under the bridge. I wrote like. When this, uh, when the first thing happened with Madden, I wrote a very tongue-in-cheek article for Cubs Dan about their meeting, their summit, or whatever the dinner that Madden and and Montero had, and it was you know I very much got the sense at the time of that that it was like you know his time in the sun is fading. He knows that he's not a starting caliber player, and it's frustrating. I mean, it'd be frustrating for anyone, but he's not handling it very well at all. The frustration of becoming a bench player, and it's just, you just can't say stuff like that, and it's just, when you're, especially, it's like, you can't say that after you have a performance like you did that night. That's not the time to be saying stuff like that. Right, and I think, I think that's the trouble. You know, had he
1: been, had he maybe put a, a couple of throws on a dime, and, you know, there were close plays, and it was clear that the steals were totally on Arietta every single time, uh, which, which again, I, they they very much were in most of those, you know. But man, when you bounce one in, you airmail another one. You're o for 31 on the season in throwing people out. There's, there's just you gotta know when you've got room to talk, and he just absolutely didn't. And that was, I think, what really did him in at the end of the day. Is like, dude, you you've got no leg to stand on.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, I guess we should move on from that aspect of it to now we have Victor Caratini promoted from AAA to be the backup catcher. And there is a lot of debate about should we have two relatively young and inexperienced catchers for that's all you've got, or should the Cubs trade for a veteran catcher that's a good defense first, maybe David Ross type of catcher? Yeah, I think that's, to me, that's the real that's
1: the real topic right now is and is, is Caratini the guy, and I know he's, you know, but he's more of a kind of a bat first guy, and, and to me, I know this is more kind of in the, perhaps the traditionalist sense, if you're going to carry that that backup catcher, you know, kind of like what they did with Ross, uh, you kind of want that defense first guy, I and mean, that's sort of the whole point in having, and, and Contreras is getting better, and obviously he's got the ability to, to back pick and to throw runners out, uh, his bat is obviously really solid, but I don't know that you want another, the whole kind of, that that was where Montero's value may have still been. And that I think they had a little bit, they had a pretty good relationship between the two catchers. And, uh, you know, it seemed like he could at least mentor uh, Wilson Contreras a little bit, but if that goes away, you know, now you got two guys kind of both need some mentorship. I I really do think they're going to have to go out and get somebody if, if for no other reason than, you know, maybe in that playoff push, and uh and being able to to have someone there who's able to uh i don't know to to make a difference to to kind of be a leader if you will in the positive light which montero really wasn't there toward the end yeah and a
0: name i've heard a lot is alex avila but i mean there's a lot of type of guys like that that will be available that you can get so i would think that would probably be what the way they go too i just it seems like the right move to make, especially if you want someone to kind of mentor Contreras, like you were saying. So I wouldn't be shocked if they make that move relatively quickly.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's smart for them to maybe jump the market on that too. And, I mean, everybody's kind of looking at them at this point. That's That's been sort of the rub with some of these trades that have been rumored or that, you know, when you look at how the starting rotation has been performing, uh, it, it's, you know, they can't really look at it like, They don't. They don't have a lot of leverage. I guess is what I'm saying. So again, same deal. You just DFA'd your longtime uh, veteran backup, and if they know you're in the market for that, uh, you know other teams may not give them too much of a discount. Although Avila makes some sense, I think he's uh, he's playing over his head a little bit offensively speaking. But I mean, does it really matter if the guy's only going to get you know a quarter of the at bats moving forward, and he's only on a one year contract? So it's not like the Tigers can get that much for him at this point. Again, he's going to be just a rental. So I think the Cubs could maybe pick up a guy like that on the cheap. And, uh, and again, the offense really doesn't matter that much, at least uh, relatively speaking, when you are talking about such a small number of at-bats. So I think that works out pretty well.
0: Yeah. And I, I looked to just to be sure, and he is throwing out 40% of base runners this year. So that would be what you're looking for, at least as far as that, that's concerned. Yeah, I
1: mean, if, if he can just come in there and uh, and be a solid presence and kind of know, you know, and I think a guy like that, too, you look at some of these vets who get a chance to maybe come to a good team, uh, again, even if it is just on a rental basis, they've been around for a while, it's like, hey, they can relish the opportunity to uh, to kind of play for a winner, to kind of get some things done, and, you know, so that's, that's one of those deals where you get a guy who appreciates the position that he's in, and I think is going to try to show out and do the best he can, because you know, he's trying to catch on with a new deal next year too. So he's got kind of a dual motivation. And again, I know Avila is the guy that seems to make the most sense. I haven't really looked it over to know who's out there in the market, but you know, at this point it does kind of make sense.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on from the catching situation. Um, Chris Bryant, of course, rolled his ankle on Wednesday night and a really freak play on a pop fly, but they haven't placed him on the deal yet. And, there's been a big debate, especially now with a ten day deal. A lot of people just think they should just put Brian on the DL, just to be sure about it, and just make sure he's back. Maybe through the all star game and just make sure he's hundred percent. But then other people are like, well, let's keep him just but when he comes back in like a day or two. And do you think that they should just put him on the DL or Um It's gosh. This one I kinda
1: I kinda wonder about. I, I I think just in keeping with, with what I've kind of been saying about the situation so far all season, I'm inclined to say yes, because of what we've seen with, you know, we saw with Jason Hayward, they kind of waited three or four days. We saw with Ben Zobris, they waited a while. Uh, they they waited a while with Hendricks. Honestly, like they've known about a lot of these injuries these guys had. Now, Bryant's is a little bit more public. Like a lot of them we didn't really know. I guess Hayward's we kind of saw when that happened. But a lot of these guys, we didn't really know about it until a few days later, but then you sit there and you wonder, like, well, why would you send him out there, you know, right now? Why would you put him out there, if, especially with an ankle? And that's something that can, uh, you can get a recurrence of that. You know, it could be a little bit weaker. You know, I'm inclined to trust the trainers and the players, but with the DL being as short as it is, I just I hate seeing it when these guys sit out of three or four games in a row, and then you know they come back and they're still hobbled by it. So if he could, if he's fine, maybe by tomorrow. I get it, but these ankle injuries, man, they can linger for a while. And the last thing I want to see is uh, diminished Chris Bryant out there trying to bust himself down the first baseline or trying to make a hard play and then rolling it and and having it be worse
0: to where he's got to sit out going into the second half. Yeah, and with, like, Zobrist, I think they waited way too long. It was one of those things that he would have been, like, they asked him, a reporter asked him about it. When he did go in the deal. he goes, well, they did say I needed total rest. So it's like, why have you been playing the last month? I don't – it was kind of, like, hard to believe. Yeah, and it's like – like I said, I I get it with some of these
1: cases where, you know, if it's it's never going to heal properly until after the season, like until you're not doing anything baseball-related and it's – and they know that, like, hey, it's not going to get worse if you play, but it's not going to get better until you don't play, and it's going to take longer than – a week or two weeks, it's just going to take a whole lot of... So I can kind of get it if you can play through it. Like we're seeing with Addison Russell where, you know, he's got a... Obviously, Javier Baez can play short, and, and so it's fine, and it's kind of worked out that way. But, man, I, I hate seeing this stuff where it's like, okay, so now we're going to get this diminished version of a guy for two weeks, and then they decide, ah, you know, after all, we probably should have put him on the DL. Like, well, then do it right away. I, I just... It's been, and we've seen that with a lot of them. And, and so now not only did you have a week or two of this guy playing at a lower level than he should be or performing at a lower level, but then you've got a week and a half of him on the shelf. So you've actually extended out the time that he really, that you were without that player. And so again, with, and with Zobrist clearly, as we've seen he's been on there well more than 10 days and he just now started his rehab. I mean, clearly his was worse than what we let on. I just don't like the idea, and, and you know, Madden's come out and said, well, I'm just going to let him kind of determine it. Like, no, don't. If, if the player determines, yeah. he's going to want to be out there. You've got to be smarter than Yeah, they Madden's always want to play. As a, as a training staff, and this just seems really odd, given how proactive the Cubs have generally been about injury prevention and so forth, to see them kind of treating the guys like this. I, I don't really get it.
0: Yeah, I, I don't either, but I guess we'll see what they do with Bryant going ahead. All right, well, I guess I've got one more question, and I thought I'd end on this one is, um, basically. Well, I don't know if people know this, but you're kind of like my boss <laughs> a little bit on Cubs Insider. But you edit all my pieces and stuff and and stuff. But um, I just wanted to know what it's like to run your own site like that. Is it? I'm sure it's a lot of responsibility, but yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's fun. I mean, there's there's times when it's it's a little bit weird
1: uh, and it's and it's difficult. You know, kind of having it be. Uh, in a way, it's sort of like my child, I suppose, to where you know sometimes it's a it's a whole lot of fun and and everything's great, and there's other times when you when you sort of feel like you're changing diapers, you know, like when the Cubs are going through a six-game mm-hmm. losing streak, and and uh, you're searching for something to write about uh, to find an angle, or, or there's you know there's times too when there's even when things are going well, it's it's difficult to find angles, but it's it's been really really cool over the last few years. Just to to see the site kind of grow into its own a little bit to have, um, you know, to have a lot more people kind of recognizing who we are and, and what we do, and, and to have I don't want to say notoriety, um, but to to have some recognition for for doing pretty good work and you know following the team pretty well and pretty closely, and, and I think just providing some insight uh, that that maybe is a little bit different from what uh, folks are going to find from you know, maybe more standard publication or, or even other blogs. There's a lot of great coverage that's out there from from various blogs. And so just kind of being a part of that environment has been just just really, really cool. And being able to kind of share that and have different writers, you know, like yourself and others, mm-hmm. and just have a few different voices, right? To be able to give some fans, uh, which is really what we all are at the end of the day, just the opportunity to kind of share their voice a little bit to, to, kind of talk about the team in their own way and and to kind of put that out into the world a little bit and uh, maybe have people actually enjoy it it's it's pretty cool. And
0: I always like the funny part is I always I always enjoy it when you put up an article or something and people will go after you for being clickbait or something like that. I always love your responses to it. Yeah, and that's that's, that's the funny, you know, at the end of the day, um
1: like part of part of it is always a joke because I'm I'm thinking well yeah, I mean i didn't want you to click on it like i wouldn't have written it right like that's that's kind of the yeah if i just wanted to share my opinion and not have anybody pay attention to it i would just talk with my buddies about it or i would text my brother or email him like i'm putting this out there Mm -hmm. for for people to read um but but it's just it is it's it's kind of funny you know and and i i don't think i've ever written anything i don't believe and and like the point is (laughs) also to have a little fun with it. I think sometimes people are a little too serious and I try not to take myself too seriously. So I think there, that kind of gets in there. Like people are very dead serious about the. I, I've actually had people get mad at me about this. Like, this is just baseball. It's a game. This is more than a game to some of us. You know, I'm like, okay, but you know, yeah. let's, let's step back uh, outside ourselves a little bit. But uh, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, it's just, it's cool to put something out there and, and to have that that interaction a little bit and to, to get people, uh, you know, to get people interested and, and to maybe share a, an angle or a topic or something that they hadn't thought
0: of otherwise. Yeah, and it's, that's one of the things I always think. I'm always trying to go, I want people at least to get a chuckle or a laugh or a smile when they read. Even like, let's say they the Cubs get beat or whatever by, you know, 10 runs. I want to try to put something in there that's kind of entertaining. I thought that was kind of the point. Yeah, that's, uh,
1: you know. Again, at the end of the day, uh, if we don't have anybody coming to read, there is really no point to it. Uh, and, and not, not everybody's going to love everything, right? And I think that's kind of the, the, the fun thing, too, is sort of to try different things a little bit, whether it be a different style or, or a different angle that you're taking and just sort of see what bites. And I'm always, I'm always interested in that, right? Like there's, very, there's some things we put out there. That I would never have thought people would care that much about, and all of a sudden that blows up, and a ton of people read it. There's other things that you invest a ton of time in and and really get down to, and then nobody wants to look at it. So it's <laughs> uh, it, it's a new it's a new experience all the time. And so yeah, it's,
0: you know. I'm what saying. was one of them like? Didn't you have one about like the new sod at Wrigley Field that like blew up and like was great like wildly popular for some yeah, reason it was,
1: it was huge it was when uh, you know it was it, again it was just about and it was it was because uh, they had had redone you know they did all the renovations the the field was completely dirty or dirt it wasn't dirty well it was but it was a dirt field and they had to roll in sod and it was like we had pictures that somebody had tweeted of trucks rolling in with rolls of sod and I had a video that showed how sod was cut And it's like thousands of people are jumping on to to read about this stuff and to see this. But, you know, it's just interesting what motivates people. And it was cool. You know, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, here's a sod farm. Here's how this works. And so uh, I thought it was interesting, but not, you know, not to the extent that it would be like our most popular post for two days running. Uh, But anyway, you never know what people are going to like.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, well, I guess we'll go out on the note of sod then and uh, kneel before sod uh, that's right <laughs> anyway um well you can catch my work and evan's work on cubs insider and i encourage you to go on there and not just for me but for also for him and um thanks for coming on the podcast
1: good times glad to, we'll yep. to jump on and, and talk a little cubs man it's always
0: fun We will be back with a new episode of Holy Cow next week.